Good morning, Browns fans, and welcome to the 36th episode of the 92-Yard Run podcast. We're joining you in July, famous for being full of football news. I'm Joey. With me is the one and only Sam Madden-Parks. Sam, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I am well. How are you? I am doing pretty well. Uh, I am excited uh, to be back at this. We're hitting our goal of a couple episodes uh, in the summer because we learned from last year that there's just nothing. Um, yes. And we're learning now that there's simply nothing going on. It is a bit crazy. It's very funny because every it's like the NFL. I mean, the NFL is obviously just a media frenzy and they need you know you need to feed the beast with news and so every day he's <laughs> about well we're still waiting for news on the deshaun suspension what could it be i asked my grandma for her thoughts and here's what she said just yeah. need content despite the fact that we have no idea when we're going to find out i um, think the uh the the browns the athletic reporter zach jackson uh, tweeted something to that effect about the schedule release. He said, because nobody turns a non-event into an event like the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> Which is how I thought about the schedule. Like, yeah, it's a schedule. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and helmet releases, the Bengals got flamed for theirs because they teased a release that was merely a teaser for the <laughs> new helmets. So, yeah. Not since the Browns turned their helmets from orange to slightly darker orange has there been <laughs> less news. We had one of those yesterday with the Giants where they're like, the Giants are going back to their throwback blue jerseys. And I'm like, haven't they been wearing blue jerseys? Yeah, um, <laughs> as far as I can tell. <laughs> they are nice jerseys. You know, They're nice. One of the best, probably. But, I know, and I'm sure yeah. I will forget about that news in three days. And then I'll watch one Giants game this year and I'll go, oh, those are nice jerseys. And that'll probably be about it. Yeah. Well, we've got some stuff to talk about. We were figuring out before the show what news there has even been since the last time we recorded the podcast. And really, the one news is with our segment, I call it Bakers Beware, um, <laughs> is that we finally traded long, I guess, supposedly compared to other quarterbacks in the team, long tenured quarterback Baker Mayfield. We sent him to the Carolina Panthers. It is a deal in exchange for a fifth-round pick that becomes a fourth if he plays like a significant amount, like more than 70% of the snaps for the Panthers this year, which is possible. That is very um, possible, also, yeah. And it's also, I believe, record-required portions of the deal. It's like, a, it's like seven deals. So like the money is a great example of this, right? Where Baker, we owed Baker about $18 million, guaranteed money, as a result of opting into his fifth-year option on his rookie contract. We are paying 10 million of that. The Panthers are paying 5 million of that. And then Baker has the ability to earn back, quote unquote, three and a half million dollars. Right. He won't nice. earn it. It's, no, he won't. Yeah. Well, well, Sam, he would be wanna... lucky to earn like 100,000 of it. Yeah. Well, Sam, you and I looked at it. How crazy is the incentive structure? Well, yeah, to give a, in perspective of his 3.5 million that he's voluntarily gave up, right? He did not have to give up any of it but he voluntarily did. He can earn 1.1 million total by winning like the divisional round and the championship round and the Super Bowl. Yeah. Right? It's like 500 600 or something like that. Um which yeah, gives you a good picture of it. Yeah. I tried to meme this from Moneyball 
where week one, it was like Brad Pitt saying, the Yankees are paying them $10 million to play against you. And then Baker can come back with, but I'm paying $3.5 million to pay, play against them. <laughs> Which didn't really, I don't, I don't know. I thought it was hilarious, but yeah, it didn't really work. But still, you know, it's something to think about. Baker really wants to, really wanted to get out there and get going. He wants so. to prove it. I mean, there are two ways to read it, right? Baker really wanted to get out there and get going, or that's what it took for Baker to get a chance at a team. Right. And it, it is unfortunate, too, because if this were a year ago, we know for a fact that the Panthers would have probably not balked at giving up more. Like, they just took Sam Darnold, and they paid more in draft capital for decidedly a worse quarterback. Yes. So They paid a lot more. Yeah, They paid a lot more in draft capital, and I don't think there was nearly as much hassle over the finances of the deal. It just no. happened that Darnold sucked this year, which we knew was going to happen, and we knew he was going to struggle. And because it happened a year later, we got stuck in this where the Panthers were now so wary about what are they taking on and all of that, which they yeah. should have been. I'm not denying. I'm not saying that given, you know, he's on one year, he's cost a lot of money. He's had an up and down career. I know I'm, Sam might disagree with me, but I don't I think this makes sense. Like from an objective perspective for both teams, I think this makes sense. But still, I kind of wish we could add more. I'm, I'm mad at Sam Darnold. That hurts. That's tough. He's he's been through so much. <laughs> he's seen all those ghosts. They're so scary. Yeah. Well, now that Baker is gone, I do not have to defend him quite as uh, viciously. Yeah. Yes. But uh, <laughs> still don't agree with it. But oh well. Um, and I do fear what he will do to an o- an Ohio team in Week One that he has a chip on his shoulder against. I do not. But okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I looked at the I mean you look at the numbers for what we know about Baker and one of the crystal clear things about Baker Mayfield is he can be good if you put him behind a very good offensive line that is not what the Carolina Panthers have done in, in any way I mean the step down from the Browns line or even like even if you don't want to say the Browns are the best line in the league, like a very good line that the Browns have invested a lot of capital in and now have long tenured veterans on that line to the Panthers line is an enormous drop off. Like he might have better offensive weapons, but the line is not going to give him the time that we know he needs. Possibly his first year, he did not have this all star offensive line and he, he was still pretty good. He was pretty good. That's true. Against some pretty bad teams down the stretch. Like, but, yeah, you know. but he might be he's probably going to be playing Jacoby Brissett. He might only need to be pretty good and he'll have a healthy Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey should be able to make it through one week. We assume we yeah. assume. And that's, I, that's about it. But, you know, still, <laughs> that might be enough. Honestly, <laughs> we have a receiving based running back. I, I don't know. And, and the thing, too, is that his def- is his defense going to be able to buy him time. Oh, wait, which the defense or the offensive line? Both. Like, is the defense going to be able to, like, I mean, is he going to have to score every possession? Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, well, I can't name person on the Carolina Panthers defense, but. I think that's a bad <laughs> <laughs> Uh Yeah, Luke quickly retired, so no, I really can't. I know they have a cornerback. They drafted some cornerback. I forget which one. They're not that good of a team. Like, no, no, like it very clearly is a case where they're willing to try with Mayfield to be 500 to save Matt Rule's job. Right. 
Like, that's the byline. It's not that Baker's going to... I mean, he just doesn't have a lot to work with. And we know when he doesn't have a lot to work with, he's like, meh. I don't know. I think it's kind of 50-50. A week one Browns with Jacoby Brissett, who's never played this team, versus a Baker with the... I, I mean, it's... I, I don't know. I could see ah. the Panthers doing it. It's a win-win situation either way for me. It's fine with me. I'm great <laughs> with the situation. I'm just interested if we don't think that the Panthers are a strict downgrade from the 2019 Browns. Oh, yes. No, I, I completely agree. Well, and how did he play on the 2019 Browns? Well, they have a better coach. <laughs> I don't know about that. Matt Rule has not <laughs> No, Freddie Kitchens was historically inept. Matt Rule is like, I mean, Matt Rule is trading for former first-round quarterbacks in order to save his job. Hey, like, Sam Darnold is like the best quarterback in the league for the first three weeks last year <laughs> that's true that's actually a fact well hey we're talking about week one <laughs> was that sam darnold or was that mike white mike white no no no. sam darnold was very good for three weeks last year okay. it was really funny it was really funny he had like he like led the league in like rushing touchdowns <laughs> that's true and they went three and oh so that's stranger awesome. things have happened I think it's possible that he does fine. Uh, yeah. I'm not. Don't bet anything on it. I think we're better off without him. They're slightly <laughs> better off with him. So you know what? Take him. That's okay with me. I'm not going to complain this time. I thought I would have. You know, if you'd asked me a year ago, but was not okay with him. I'm just happy we okay. can move on because all the Browns articles now they were like, "What's one remaining offseason move?" And they were like, "Well, you know, like I get rid of Baker," and I'm like, "That's so easy." Like, that's so obvious. Why am I reading this article if you're just going to tell me that they shouldn't have a quarterback who costs a bunch of money and isn't going to play for them? Like, duh. Anybody yes. who's aware, uh, you can't dodge this news. Like, anybody who's followed anything in the NFL over the past six months would be aware of this this issue. So, I don't make the rules. I'm just, yeah. I'm just you know, the messenger. Uh, our next discussion, though foils off of that fact about the Baker trade, which is the cap room that it opens. And so this is a segment I call No Cap. This <laughs> is one where, Sam, you have some thoughts on this. Is the Browns now, through this maneuvering, because the Browns didn't really need to trade Baker. Like, it would have been really awkward. But, I mean, it wasn't like they need the money for urgent upgrades. But it no. opens up a ton of room next year, right? Yeah, well, I mean, Baker would have been off the books next year anyway, but this year it opens up room, and that can roll over, which yeah. in this process I don't actually understand. But somehow it opened up more for next year. But, um, yeah, in regards to the bigger cap situation, my theory is the Browns are really waiting for this Watson suspension because if he's suspended for a good chunk or even the entire season this year, frankly, they're not going to compete for a Super Bowl and they, I would bet that they are thinking it is better to roll over all their cap that they have right now for next year when he's back and they can really make a push. They can sign like you know an extra free agent or an extra upgrade or something next season versus even signing guys like for five or six million one year contract this year would just be using it for no real good reason unless they have some reason to really try to compete or at least you know get a little bit in the playoffs i don't know but that is my theory why they're not they're not signing any free agents right now because as you know 
I think there are some gaping holes in the roster. <laughs> and at least everybody can agree, major questions. I think it's possible. I am inclined to think, as I have all along, that the Browns fully do not expect him to miss a year. And I think that that's true because they were so adamant in bringing back Jadavia and Clowney for one year that in early, too. And maybe it's possible that they were going to lose him, and so they just had to lock him in anyway. But you're right that it might explain some hesitance to get a bunch of veterans. I think it's also possible, too, that they might just be gearing up to extend. Like if they want room in the budget in the cap just for later years to keep guys here. Because they've shown an interest in keeping this shell like this the shell of the roster right like miles chubb I mean, they're locking down guys long term of watson so right. i think that that's a lot of their thinking too and it depends on who they think would be out there like first of all you could say here's a here's a deep cut theory for you <laughs> super deep cut who's a free agent next year tom brady maybe they're ready to see if this watson <laughs> thing just completely explodes. trade deshaun for like a fifth conditional fourth round pick and then <laughs> sign Tom Brady and contend that way. Anything is possible. Um, but like Jack Conklin is a free agent next year. So he's someone that we might have to address. Right. Um, or they might try to make a run at another wide receiver. You could see if like Sterling Shepard hits the market. Like there's, you know, it, it really depends on, you know, the NFL is weird with free agency, right? Like it's right. not very rare that marquee free agents hit the market and so maybe they're waiting just to see what happens or maybe they're waiting to extend right i don't know i guess my thinking is they've always said this is a truly win now move and it obviously is in which case win now moves you sign these veteran free agents to one-year deals that's the other thing as these one-year deals we'd be signing wouldn't really impact farther down the line except for cap rollover which eventually kind of dissipates so yeah i guess that in my mind, that's how I explain why we haven't really, except for Jadavion Clowney and like Anthony Walker, who also was on the team last year, so it makes mm-hmm. sense to have continuity. We haven't brought in any like veteran one year guys just to try to make these win now moves for this season. And I think that hesitancy is because they're waiting to see if it's really viable. Because also, if Deshaun Watson misses eight or 10 games and the Browns go like, do badly and then he comes back and he hasn't played in a long time and he's never played this team i i don't know maybe they really believe but i don't know if you could invest a ton in that being a super Mar- a super bowl season it's hard because all it's never been easier i mean i mean at once it's super hard to get into the playoffs of the afc because the afc is so strong but it's also right, that's never another been factor. easier though yeah. because there's now this extra wild card spot right one fewer buy but one extra spot and if you're the Browns, right, if you're thinking we need to win, I mean, look at the Steelers last year. Like, that was not a very good team at all. But they tripped no. into the playoffs in the very last time, right? I think if you're the Browns, like, the difference between them and the Steelers last year is the Steelers, you might think, had no reason for optimism that they would perform better in the playoffs than they had earlier in the season. Like, they didn't right. get better. They didn't make, like, a big acquisition. And that's the same thing for all like, all teams. Like, in baseball, you see this, right? Like, you make a trade deadline you know, acquisition and then push really hard just to get in because you're a better team now than you were in June. If you're the Browns, right, if you can poach four of those first eight games and then you think you can win six of the, you know, the, of the back, what, nine, 
Right. That's that might get you in, but now you have a quarterback, and now you're a way different team in January than you were in. I mean, a, a fundamentally different team, with all due respect to Jacoby Brissett, no, in yeah. January than you are in September. And that might be a strategy: is just slip in because now you'll have the quarterback you needed. Right. Right. So if he is suspended, even for like six games, then I guess the flip side of what I'm saying is then I would expect them to sign some one year deals Mm -hmm. because I would really think, yeah, like you said, a lot could change. So we'll see. But I think a lot more than just the quarterback position is in the balance because of this waiting for the suspension. Now, the interesting thing, and we'll come back to this, is another read on why they haven't signed so many one year veterans is because they like what they have. And I think that there's some reason to do to that. Like, right. with the defense last year, they haven't made major acquisitions on the defensive front because that was a good defense. I mean, that defense held the Packers very close, like with Devon, with, with good players on the Packers' offense. Yeah. Held them very, very close after mm, four turnovers. <laughs> um, yeah, those refs, man. <laughs> yeah, those darn... <laughs> All four of them, the rest fall. Um, even at my height of my Baker thinking, I would have only given you two. I would have said, okay, no, one I only take two. Still. I only take two. I know. To be fair. So even even it wasn't still, a highlight, but it, it was not made any better by the referee. Anyway, yes, no, that's. I mean, that's a good point. Um, but still, I mean, I would say one. There's always room for upgrades. And mm-hmm. for another, we did lose our two starting defensive tackles. And even though they were not good at all, Very bad. they were starting over the guys we have now. So <laughs> Some of them. I like, guess the thing is that we brought in a couple new guys. Like we have Taven Bryan. Right. Uh, some guys are developing. Like, I mean, Tommy Togai, right. hypothetically, we got to be able to play now. I'm, yeah. The more I think about it, the more comfortable I am with the defensive tackle spot. And it, it's really? a tough balance because, like, have any of them shown me that they can be top 30 defensive tackles? No, not at all. But I think you got to bet on it. Like, I think Tommy Togai's there. I, I, I mean, Perrion Winfrey is just a, a madman. He's just <laughs> so happy to play for us, right? And I know he's more of a pass rusher than a run stopper, right? And I'll admit that, right. but... I mean, we we played with a pretty rotational group of guys at defensive tackle spot in 2020, and we were right. fine because we had good ends and also really good offense. But like but, we had um, some other good players across the board. In 2020, didn't we have Richardson and Ogan Joby though? And they were like good, but they weren't yeah. like great players. And also, I some of them. I mean, we rotated a lot. So like, um, right. I mean, Port Augustine played in the in the playoff yeah game. And but he's gone i love port augustine i, I love port augustine too <laughs> i love port augustine because he hustles and he tries so hard but yeah, he is not he a top no i know no but but i mean i think I, we haven't seen these guys in a rotation yet also mm-hmm. like tommy togiai perry and winfrey you know I, I you could be complete you probably are completely right but uh if you're not then we're looking at a big problem you know <laughs> we might yeah. I think I think the the one of the things that makes me feel make, helps me sleep at night is last year we had what the 115th overall and like 118th overall defensive tackles on Pro Football Focus. It's like yes, 
Eminem, the two Malik's were not good at all. No. But the defense played very well. It's because true. we just don't rely on the defensive. And we know, I mean, pro football focus is all about, you know, the least valuable position on defense to secure is defensive tackle. Which is, is why it's so true. incredible that Aaron Donald is who he is. Because yes. he makes that impact at that spot. But um, yeah, I, but also, you know, if someone gets hurt, like Jadavon Clowney is not necessarily the healthiest. Or, you know, our linebackers are weak or whatever. It would be nice to have some defensive tackles who can pull some extra weight. Also, I will admit that. Is, Covering for injuries, which our defensive defense has not been. Well, everybody has injuries, right? So mm-hmm. it'd be nice. But you know, I see, I see where you're coming from. Definitely, I am remain the skeptic. I think that's very fair. <laughs> I, I understand the skepticism entirely. I want us move to move to our third segment, which is simply entitled "We Have to Talk About Deshaun Watson." We are like everybody just waiting to hear back from you know what the decision will be or at least the initial decision because we don't know because they can appeal the disciplinary officer's ruling right um and it's a whole thing either yeah yeah either party can i I enjoyed the nfl has this independent arbitration thing right Mm -hmm. but then the nfl can appeal it and it goes to roger goodell right (laughs) which like i would expect nothing less and i don't really i honestly don't care like you, you know they play in the NFL, so the NFL sets the rules in a way. And I know that's very simplistic, but in this like, I don't, yeah. <laughs> it's just funny to me. <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. It it is just like the such an NFL thing that the yeah. NFL is willing to let an arbitrary trader speak as long as they agree with what the arbitrator says, and yeah. then otherwise they have the final rule. But you would have to imagine. I mean, I don't know how much the NFL cares about optics, right? It's a very funky, like, mind game, right? Because you can imagine that the NFL wants to appear tough on these matters. And that's why a lot of people say they've been offering the indefinite suspension in settlement talks. The NFL doesn't want, like, if, if that, it comes out that they're, you know, the agreement is a four-game four suspension, Right. Right. I mean, is the NFL really going to yank a four game suspension up to a year on appeal from the NFL? Like the optics there are crazy because then no, the process yeah. you just went through is meaningless. But the optics of you not punishing someone for more than four games are also bad. So, like, what optics does the NFL care more about? Like the legitimacy of process or the like punishment that comes afterward? Right. Well, I think if you got like Judge Robinson sent down like four games i could see well i mean if the nfl did appeal it you could like double it to eight and be like okay we doubled it but eight's really not that many you know um i actually have no idea what they're gonna do i said eight last time on the show and i will stick with that for no reason but um i i think yeah i I literally no idea and i read all the reddit posts every single i click on every single one knowing (laughs) better but you know it's the summer i have not, not much better to do so, uh, yeah, but I have no idea. And nobody else does either. No. Like, someone pointed out, this one person's making this decision. There are not leaks here. Like, <laughs> there are no... <laughs> who are they talking to? Like, their kids? Like, yeah, no. <laughs> so... And every person has a different one. Like, there are so many different narratives. Like, ESPN yeah. had a headline where they're like, NFL to seek indefinite suspension of at least one year. And then there are reports that there won't be any suspension. And then there's the, like, four games. And then there's – it's like nobody knows 
Yeah. Because that's the whole point is no, we're not supposed to know. They're supposed to go into this decision and render a verdict. That's supposed to be how it works. It doesn't, you know, it's not supposed to be an optics game and which I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it is, and the people who are leaking it are the parties, the interested parties. Like the right, NFL right. will leak that they want an indefinite suspension to push a settlement, right? Mm-hmm. Or you know, the NFLPA or someone could leak the zero game report to like push the NFL to work together. Um, yeah. I think the only thing that I do believe is that they. Oh, no, never mind. I have nothing. <laughs> There's okay. reports that say that Robinson is not rushing the decision, and that we might right. not even know until into training camp. And I believe that because they say that's to make the NFL and NFLPA try to settle. Right. And that sounds like a lawyer thing. Like there always are, you know, you go on any judge's website and they're like, I'd like for parties to settle civil disputes rather than have to go to, you know, a hearing and have me render a verdict <laughs> appeals. So yeah, I totally believe that there is no rush in that turn. You know, training camp is not the concern. It's much rather just saving everybody's time. Yeah. And you have to imagine, too, for the optics concerns, the NFL would love a settlement. Like, right. the NFL would love to not have to appeal to itself or not have to deal with an appeal process that reveals that it's just Goodell, like it used to be. And they would love to get away with that. Um, yeah. I guess it just depends on what they're asking for and also if Watson's team has an incentive to settle or not. I don't know. That's an interesting question. Yeah. I don't know. Like he's like we said, no idea. But I like all these theories. Every week, someone's yeah. like, it's going to come in the Friday news dump. A big theory was the July Fourth Friday news dump. <laughs> they think they really they think the NFL is just going to like drop it in with like all the other little news that apparently comes out on Fridays. <laughs> I don't like. <laughs> I don't know. There's just a lot of like delusion about mm-hmm. every single aspect of it. It's really funny. It's really funny. Well, because you can't, if you're a Browns fan, every article is about this. But right. There have been meta articles that are like, everyone's talking about Watson. There are some really good position battles. Like the Athletic had one today where it's like, there are actually a lot of position battles to talk about. Like, yeah. well, like there's some really interesting moves going on with moving Newsom to the slot corner. Or there, you know, what are we doing with all the running backs? Like all of these questions are there and no one is paying any attention to them. I mean, somewhat rightfully, because this is so monumental, both just in the realm of like, you know, justice, but also in the realm of, like you said, like the roster is not done and right. what the team does in this season is going to depend on this suspension heavily. Yes. Now, my thought that I've told you before, Sam, is that the one thing that I know from watching Andrew Barry, it doesn't mean that I agree with everything, especially in a moral light, is that <laughs> from like a tactical perspective, Barry does not make mistakes. And they say that they talked with Watson and stuff. It would shock me if Barry was like just did was so myopic that he didn't think that there was going to be a massive suspension. And then there was like, right. I have to believe that Andrew Barry did not like I don't agree with the move. I'm on the record not agreeing with the move. I think morally it's the wrong move. And. I disagree with him deciding to make that move because of those moral implications. But what would shock me is that he completely misunder, you know, miss, you know, he completely underestimates what the right. NFL is trying to do and what the suspension is. Right. Well, okay. This is a Yeah. This is a conversation we had a little bit the other day. So how do I put this? I mean, uh, uh, 
what I, I don't I guess I don't know what his plan would be that like would is Barry betting he this makes me think he must be betting on a short less than a season right which mm-hmm. would be probably a fair bet but Leah not a season ending suspension yeah because otherwise I would really like running it back with Baker on his fifth year option versus like having Deshaun Watson sit for a year I would have to think you would might as well just run it back with Baker, especially when you've had some success. Even if you don't think Baker's the answer, doing all this and giving up five draft picks and $230 million guaranteed for a guy who's sitting out the first season, I mean, that just makes it, almost no sense. The only way you could save it would be by winning like a Super Bowl and sometime in the next five years. Which I think they think is a real possibility with him. Right. But also, if they don't, would we look back? I, I mean, in general, with all the stuff happening, if Deshaun Watson does not win a Super Bowl in the next five years or however long he's in Cleveland, it, does this have to be a failure then? Hmm. I think because this so. is the most like win or bust move. Maybe not. You know, win or bust in terms of like image and popularity and fans mm-hmm. or whatever. You know. Yeah, popularity is, I think, a clear one. Like, you're willing to... I mean, it's the most publicly one. Like, right. I mean, I'll remind everybody that Pittsburgh stuck behind their guy. And, well, you know... Right, and... Jim won a Super Bowl that, you know, was in the Super Bowl later that year, right? Like, Yeah, and I think if Big Ben hadn't won a Super Bowl, you know, who knows? I mean, I guess who knows? But, uh... But, like, so, I mean, teams have done this before, but the difference is that you're right that it's it's incredibly public... And it's incredibly. You're right that it is riding like a, repu- a team's reputation is what they're right, making right. a very public trade for. I think you're right that it has to be a bust. I think that well, and here's maybe a comparison, right, to put it in context, like of how, like of what you're saying, right? Because there's there's a you know desire to say, well, sure, any big trade you make. That doesn't pay off if it doesn't really yield the Super Bowl as a bust. But I don't know, because, like, would we fault the Broncos if they don't win a Super Bowl with Russell Wilson? Right. I no, know. I mean, clearly, yeah, that's a, that's a, I mean, same offseason, clearly a win now kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I don't think so. Well, to be fair, their quarterback situation was even worse than the Browns, if you think right. the Browns is, no matter how bad you think the Browns was. Theirs is even worse. They had really no hope. Nothing. Um, makes but me still, wonder why we didn't trade. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard. Wilson is Wilson is always older than I think he is. Like he is yeah. an older quarterback than he looks. I'm actually and not so, a fan of Russell Wilson either. So <laughs> yeah, and he can. It, it's hard. He's also had injury concerns. Like that's the thing because I used to one of the. I mean, the first thing other than just shock and you know fear over the fury over the move was like why couldn't we have gotten Russell. But then right. you look and you're like, he's gotten hurt. And he's, I mean, how many more years does Russell really have? Like the length of Deshaun's contract with us might be the length of Russell Wilson's time as an elite quarterback. Like he's in his early thirties. You add five years. I, I don't know. Like Tom Brady has warped our perspective a little bit, but especially yeah. from a mobile quarterback who's been hurt. I don't know. But I mean, you know that unless Deshaun goes through something, you know, disastrous or more things happen and he suffers further justice, right? Like for the, for the consequences then he is going to well play past his contract. So like there's right. like X amount of years beyond that you have to that are factoring into this. It's like Mahomes versus 
you know, it's like something. I mean, Mahomes is different because he's all world, but like you have <laughs> yeah. so many future years that that made that deal a little different. Right. Well, I guess it would be I would compare it to like Philip Rivers, who never won a uh, mm-hmm. uh, Super Bowl with the Chargers, but he is belo- he's their their most beloved player ever, but and like almost unanimously. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good point. Yeah, and he I mean he was never even particularly close to winning a Super Bowl. That's never going to be Deshaun Watson. Like no. he's not going to be loved. And if he wins a Super Bowl, he he was he still won't be loved, but at least we can like people will say, well, it was worth it, right? They won it all. And that's the thing too is that he's doing all the things. Like he goes and he's with all the players and he took them all on vacation and he was at the Guardians game of the other night post a photo of that. And he's not winning. He's not winning me over. And he's not winning over a huge section of the fan base. Right. Right. Like he's doing all the things you typically do. Like Baker went to a Guardians game. Baker did all that stuff. But it worked. And people are and like, they oh, I remember, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember when he shotgunned the beer on the, you know, in the outfield and all of that. And then. Yeah. And that doesn't. He'll never have that ability. You're absolutely right about that. It's just a different calculus. They shouldn't have right. that ability. No. But. So. Um, yeah. I mean. It's really Super Bowl or bust mm-hmm. for Andrew Barry and his yeah. reputation. That's very true. Barry, especially just, I mean, this is his, I mean, this is the biggest, I don't think there's even like a close second. Like, yeah. Risks he's ever taken. I don't even know what's up there. It's like he took Jedrick Wills compared to other tackles or. Right. Which is like. Wills is good. That's another spot that you know could come into question in the next years. I have not seen it from Wills. I've been disappointed. He's like, he's fine. It hurts because I wish it's a flip side. So when in 2019 at the trade deadline, we had the chance to try for Trent Williams. Right. And but Trent Williams was old and we did not think Trent Williams was going to be an all pro playing at the caliber he is now. And if we had known that, that probably would have been a smarter move. But we had no way of knowing. It just kind of hurts in hindsight. It right. also hurts that Tristan Wirfs paid off so well, but I don't think we knew that was going to happen either. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily blame him for taking him over Wirfs or anything like that. And also, yeah, you're like Trent Williams, who knew? Also sinking on a whole another big, massive contract into that offensive line. Yeah. Like, the offensive line is great, but it's that like... Great? expensive yeah i mean we just cut jc treader for that reason right yeah um so no i mean i don't i don't think it was a bad move just it might be one that doesn't pan out quite as well as we would like in the long run <laughs> but that's way less risk that's yeah so much no, less yeah risk. and that was nothing compared to this and people miss on tackles all the time yeah like that's just it comes with the job debt taxes and missing on offensive tackles i think is the three constants of just the nfl yeah Let's move then from Deshaun. Hopefully, by the next time we have the show, we'll at least have some news. And you know, I know I, I would really expect us to, or August, sometime in August. Sometime in August. I I don't yeah. think anyone expects September. I I, I mean, even no, that though, would, like that far features. Like we're at this point now, they're having the hearings because there used to be that used to be the line that the NFL was going to wait on civil suits, and they they weren't expecting a settlement. Like the fact that there was a settlement was a huge shock, and mm-hmm. so. Because there was a settlement, now it was different, and uh, they move forward with it. But so the old thinking was like we'd have to wait until next off season, and I think that's all dissipated by now. Right, right. Pretty entirely. So I think August is going to be clear. So just depends on when in August we do a show. So if it's like early, then you know. Yeah, yeah. 
We'll see. Maybe the news <laughs> will come out after we record today. It's possible. I mean, last time we recorded, it's didn't possible. Down clowny sign like ten minutes into the show. I know. I checked Reddit right before this, just in case. I was like, <laughs> no way, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's pivot then. Sam, you have some bits you'd like to talk about first. Yes. The first one has to do with some lineups, sort of related to what we were mentioning earlier. Yes. Well, I think we should continue our, um, you know, our uh, every show we try to predict the lineup. And I will admit it has not changed very much since we last did it. So if you, I don't know if you want to go or if I want to go, why don't you go first with your uh, offense? Okay, so we're doing week one? Yes, week okay. one. And I got three wide receivers. Three not wide that it matters receivers. too much. Yeah, okay. but just give me your starting three wide receivers and et cetera. Okay, so... I think Jacoby Brissett will be playing. I don't think there's not going to be a suspension. And I don't think I, I don't think Deshaun will play week one. Um, I think that that's also very clear in the odds. Like last time I checked a couple of weeks ago, we were my, we were only one point favorites over Carolina. Right. Which in any talent measurement, <laughs> we're way more than one point. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that's just because it's also it's a new team. It's a, I mean, early season spreads are closer. I'm optimistic we'll win that game because I don't think Jacoby Brissett is as bad as we think he is because he graded out fine last he's year. He's fine. Yeah, he's perfectly fine. I mean, my thought, right, is that we won eight games last year and were competitive late in a lot. One of them was a fluky game, the Nick Mullins game. God bless his soul. Right. The, the fluky game was – Yes. Um, and that was close. The Packers game. I mean, we could go on. And so mm-hmm. I think there were a lot of games that we could have won just with a couple differences with better receivers. <laughs> so, and just fewer, you know, players on COVID. So I think that we could potentially still come out of those first four games, which are easier, three and one. I'm optimistic. But that's a hot take for closer to the season. I think Brissett, I think Chubb will be the running back. Um, yeah, checks I think out. The, I think Hunt will be the RB2. I think he'll still be there. Yes. I expect that we'll hold on to Johnny Stanton. Gotta love him. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think we do need a fullback. I think, yeah, we're a fullback offense. Yeah, I think we'll keep him. Um, my wide receivers, I think Amari Cooper, who's just a, just, thank God. What a nice addition. Yeah. Everybody can agree that was a good offseason move. Fifth round pick, you know, decent amount of money, but still. That Top was, 10 that. in Madden 23 rankings. I don't play Madden, but I see these. Is he uh, really? Top yes. 10. Yeah, which is bold. He was then not ranked <laughs> in the top 16 by the like some NFL article, you know. But um, still, you know, a solid wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. Not not all world, but you know what? He'll much do better it. than what we've had. Last <laughs> time we had all world, it was just all drama. So I'm yeah. fine with Amari Cooper. Um, I think Donovan Peoples Jones has shown that he's a very good wide receiver too. I yes. think that's very much where he can play, and I think that's a very you know. That's a great turnaround for a sixth-round pick, so I'm happy with that. I love him, yeah. So then, am I picking who I think is in the slot, or am I Yeah, we're going two wide in the slot. Okay. Hmm. That's a good one. I think to start, like, if you were to take the roster and put them on the field, I'm going to bet they try to put David Bell in the slot. I would agree. But here, okay, to mix it up, I, I wrote down a few free agents because the the athletic, yeah, Zach Jackson at the athletic 
thinks, and I agree that, you know, I mean, the wide receivers could be fine or they could, it could really not work out, right? Like if DPJ doesn't really progress and is still just his, you know, some fantastic catches, but in general, like not super solid, honestly, or not super consistent. If Amari Cooper is kind of does this thing where he like disappears or isn't great in a couple games, and if David Bell doesn't really work out, or if any one of those things happens, the wide receiver core really does not look great. So would you add like Julio Jones or Emmanuel Sanders or T.Y. Hilton or someone like that just to give you another option? Not even maybe not even starting, but just something, some veteran. I'm OK with them. I think Donovan Peoples-Jones is good enough to be a wide receiver, too. For the record, like, I completely agree. I love it so much. Without progressing. Like, I think that right now, I think last year was bad because we yeah. tried to make him be way more prominent in the offense than he needs to be, and he just doesn't have that. But I think if, you know, Amari Cooper is drawing the best coverage, and he right. just is, he's a big guy, I mean, he's a good receiver, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones is fine. I'm fine if we bring in a veteran. My thought is, like, we already have a lot of receivers who all bring some value. Like, I mean, beyond them, Jakeem Grant is super fast, right? right? And can be quirky. Anthony Schwartz is super fast. Like, I'm not that concerned with taking a chance on a couple of younger guys. And David Bell is, I mean, certain. Like, he's a very good hands He's a reliable guy. Like, Maybe. We've seen lots of good rookie wide receivers, but I don't know if I would describe any rookie as certain. I wouldn't say he's certain as in, like, he's going to get, like, 1,000 yards. I mean, like, if you put him on the field, he'll catch the ball. Like, that's certain compared to, like, well, this is a Browns play for the past, Corey Coleman, who was the <laughs> first-round pick and just couldn't catch the ball. Like, I'm not worried about those sorts of concerns with this. And, I mean, you know, worst comes to worst, we just go back to the tight end offense. Like, we didn't right. need wide receivers to be that big of a deal. So, Well, speaking th- of tight end, who do you got at tight end? <laughs> Sorry, not to cut you off, but, you know. No, no <laughs> I, I think that's fair. I think if we sign a veteran wide receiver, it will shock me. That's my takeaway. But I don't think okay. we need. I think at tight end, uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, the guy we, uh, you know, uh, yes. franchise tagged. I'm willing to bet on that. So I'm going to go with David Njoku, and then Harrison Bryan will back him up. Right. And I, one more guy I wrote down for the offense is Jared Cook, just to give another offense, okay. like pass catching tight end that I could really see mm-hmm. wide receiver. I'm, I'll explain in a bit, but uh, our tight ends are not good. I mean, our top two are good. We don't I don't think we even have a third one right now. Or it's some guy like Miller Forstall who yeah. I don't know what he does. It's I not think a little any, extra spice off the tight end bench would be nice. <laughs> I think we could use just just to have and just one yeah. of those like fluid tight end receiver types. I think is a good thing. Yeah, I'm totally fine with that. The line, the line is pretty standard. We know the line: simple. Wills, Betonio, Harris, Teller, Conklin. Right. Any shock there? Okay. No, I don't think that's at all a thing. In with decent depth, so I think right. that's that. So that's my offense. For the record, I have the same offense. I was just, which I, yeah, I, I was looking at it. I was like, there's not going to be too much disagreement here, which is why I wrote down free agents. I was just curious. But um, the I will say I'm more skeptical of the receiving core than you are, I think. I'm not too worried about them because I've seen what the team is like without a receiving core. And so <laughs> anything above that is, to me, fine. And if you right. can scheme it, you can you can dream it. 
like or if you can dream it you can scheme it so okay That's I, fair. I i think that it'll be okay same thing with Brissett too like i've seen what we've played with when baker was just like devastated with injury and we can right. still do something so yeah it just were i think well apart from chubb obviously it is not so much boom and bust as m- more like uh, um okay and or bust <laughs> solid <laughs> enough worries. or bust yeah. yeah which worries me but you know what oh well but that's the thing if we can just be solid until watson gets back and it's a different team with you know a good line and a quarterback who can throw the ball Right. Maybe that's enough. Maybe treading water at like 500 through eight games is enough to unlock, you know, the playoffs. I don't know. It depends. But I, I could see that route. I think that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Let's Want to go defense. for the defense? Yeah. Yeah. So corners are an interesting one. Right. So you got two outside and one slot. Okay. If we're going to play all three corners at once... I have to put Ward. Okay, so day one, it's going to be Ward. I will say Greedy Williams. Okay. And then put Newsom in the slot. I expect within a few games that Emerson will be replacing Williams, or at least rotating. Interesting. Okay. What do you think? I like Williams. A little more than you, it sounds like. I think yeah. he'll probably hold the job for most of the season. Emerson, I will expect to see a decent amount, right? Because mm-hmm. teams play so much like Dime or whatever it is that requires four. But um, I would expect Ward, Newsom, and Williams to be our starting cornerbacks most of the time. I put Williams in the slot partly because I think Newsom is so good on the outside and so young. It, I, I, I like keeping him out there if we know what he's good at. I like keeping him, but I will say that the team has pretty clearly expressed that they want to put Newsom inside. And if right. they got rid of Troy Hill, I think that means that they are going to put someone reliable inside, and I think that has to be Newsom. Right. But also, I considered the Panthers have DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson on the outside. Um, you could and move. I don't know who they have on the slot. I forget oh. his name. I looked it up. So it depends on what type of package we run is the only thing, right? Right. So like and yeah, so this is where I got that's good. That gets a little iffy, like you know. Yeah. Like <laughs> if we're putting, I could see with us doing our, you know, the typical Joe Woods thing where we have three safeties, and right. so we're that's, putting yeah. Ward and Newsom on the outside, and we're running John Johnson, Delpit, and Harrison in yeah. as the three safeties. I think I that's actually more like. Harrison. I was looking at that the other day. I was like, oh yeah, I like him. I mean, he's a hothead, yeah. gets some dumb penalties, but. I think he didn't deserve that one. Everyone knows I know, but there's he some he did deserve. That. Okay, that's true. Some people, <laughs> I will not deny that. But, but he's good. That is three good safeties. So mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not worried about the safeties at all on that. And I expect we'll see that look more than we'll see Williams, Ward, and Newsom, or at least at like comparable rates. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. How about linebackers? Well, if we're keeping with that package, right, right we're going to have four up front five defensive backs and then two linebackers yeah yeah more often than not and so i will expect anthony walker and jeremiah wusu to be the linebackers i would too yeah i although maybe because the linebackers would be 
well, I don't really know how defense works. If you need one, two linebackers who are going to be responsible for stopping the run, maybe you put in like Taki Taki instead of Walker or, or even instead of the Joker. But yeah, I think those two are clearly our top two linebackers. And then everybody else is kind of rotational. There's a I chance can... Jordan Phillips, Jacob Phillips, Jacob Phillips mm-hmm. um, pushes Walker for his spot, but I don't really think so. I think he could swing into that third. Like in those hypotheticals yeah. where we have four defensive backs, which is rare, but if we have them, I think that I could see Taki Taki or Phillips. I expect that to rotate, but I expect Walker and the Joker to be constants. Right. I feel good about the linebackers. I think mm-hmm. they don't need to be great. They need to be a good rotation, and we have a very good rotation. So. And Usu Karmoa is great. Yes. And, and yeah, obviously, there's like, you can have great players and they make a big difference, but then going from like, pretty good to good players at that position doesn't really matter. So it's I good. Yeah. Let's do the edge. Who, who do you have as your starting <laughs> defensive end? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to go with uh, Clowney and Garrett. I don't know if you've uh, heard of I, them. I they, think if we take Porter Gustin, we bring him back. Yeah. Play edge exclusively. I, would not, I, I wouldn't be mad, honestly. But, yeah, our starting uh, defensive ends, the sum of their draft spots is two. So I think we feel pretty good about that. Not too worried. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it, actually, that they are. We yeah. just have three overalls. That's it. Only them. And then on the inside, <laughs> defensive tackle. <laughs> Let's put – I think it's going to rotate. I think this is a very fluid – it's essentially defensive tackle by committee. I think Taven Bryan, because he has some experience. Yes, I agree there. Yeah. It's very possible that – Whoever starts a defensive tackle, they might not be on the team. Like, we could get someone out there. Yes. But I think I think he just wants it too much that I got to give it to Perion Winfrey. I think that uh, man wants it so badly. My guess is Jordan Elliott alongside Taven Bryan. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned two you know, free agent D tackles. Two I saw, as, or PFF saw, actually I got this from their list, are Linval Joseph who I don't know if you know who that is. I did not. He played for the Chargers last year, and he was apparently quite good. Oh. And he is still a free agent. Um, so I okay. think if we get, like, a short um, Watson suspension, they would really look at him or Sheldon Richardson, who is also still Aww. a free agent. And I would really like to see him back. I would like to see him back, too. It's like a yeah. family reunion. Like, if him and he and Larry came back. Yeah, At Larry least. already got signed, I think, unfortunately. I know. Or maybe, I know. yeah, oh yeah, he did. But um, I'm not betting on either of those getting signed yet, just because we have no idea. But I would really not be shocked to see one of them. Or someone other D-tackle that didn't make my brief scouting report there. I would, but, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily expect them to play more than 70% of the defensive snaps, though. I right. totally expect, even if we sign them, I expect they'll rotate and I expect as the rookies get used to it, we'll see differences. And, I mean, they'll play to their strengths. Like, if Perrion Winfrey's the pass-rushing defensive tackle, we'll probably will see him in pass-rushing right. downs. Yeah. Like I, I, or passing downs. Like, I think that a lot of this defense is going to be fluid other than the edge rushers. I don't expect them to change except to, like, <laughs> drink some water. Yeah. And last but not least, perhaps the biggest question on this roster, although maybe not— <laughs> Uh, Cade York obviously was drafted to be our kicker and that should really work out. Otherwise that would be quite a miss. No pun intended, but, um, (laughs) the punter situation is a little less clear, 
although I understand uh, you've done some research and it's a little more clear than I thought. But we have two punters right now, Corey Bajorquez, you got his name, and Joseph Charlton, who the Athletic tells me are in a camp battle. So who you got starting? (laughs) So this is interesting. So in researching this topic, I found out about a Twitter account called Puntalytics, who does analytics on like expected points added for punts. And obviously we're dealing in very minor effects because punts aren't going to have that big of a swing. But Bojorquez was good. So he rated out as their eighth best punter last season. He had an 82-yard bomb of a punt in October. Very nice. And so I like that. It's also a bit humbling because we know (laughs) how good our punting was last year. So last year we had Gillen, and then Gillen was bad and had some off-field stuff. And then we ended up cutting Gillen and signing Colquitt, who was like 40. (laughs) So it also means we've actually had both Colquitts because they're brothers. And if you look at the Puntalytics rankings for punters who had a minimum of 27 punts last season – the worst, so we had the fourth and sixth worst punters in the entire NFL last year. But Bohorquez was the eighth best, and he's on a two-year deal. So I would expect Bohorquez to be good, and if Bohorquez doesn't win the spot, that bodes really well for how good Charlottesville is. I, right. That's, my- that's a little more optimistic than I actually than I expected. Um, yes, I was going to say that reminds me also, it might even be the same person, but there was a weekly Reddit series, a very well-done post about like it was like a punt report. I forget what it was actually called. But every <laughs> yeah, after every NFL you know game slate, they would do like serious analytics, like you say, of uh, the punting, and it was nice. I'll still remember one, Gillen's one up week, and that was so nice. And they were like, he was like the comeback punter of the week or something. <laughs> it didn't last, but you know, it's always well, kind that of that is our roster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> roster. I do- um, the one yes, thing that we that we do have left is the other special teams. Oh, all due respect to the long snapper. It's oh inter- yeah. It's interesting that the Browns with Jakeem Grant. So Jakeem Grant is very good returner, and while he can be cool as a receiver, and we can bring him in for some gimmicky stuff, especially he we signed him primarily as a returner. That is an interesting departure for this Browns team because we've had players who were on the roster for non-return reasons and then happened to punt, right. going back to, like, Jabril Peppers. So we used to have Josh Cribbs, obviously. Josh Cribbs was great and was a returner who also happened to be a receiver, pretty much, right? Kind of like Devin Hester. Right, right. We have moved away from that model. Like, Jabril Peppers was a safety who happened to be a returner, or Dernish Johnson. Yeah. Um, it, that's been the model. Jakeem Grant's signing is a departure from that model. That's very interesting to me, that now we are trying to get someone who can decidedly return. Yes. Our return game has been quite poor. Mm-hmm. I think the best to my eye in the past like couple of years was Dernis Johnson. Yeah. But he didn't return very much at all. We had, I think, Landry returning punts mostly, and DPJ or Demetric Felton last season. Mm-hmm. Like It was very rotational, and none of them did very well. Um so, yeah, I'm excited to see at least some maybe decent returns, although they are scary to watch. But, you know, yes. that's OK. And very alarming and shouldn't <laughs> exist. But if we have to do them, we might as well have someone whose job it is yeah. almost exclusively to do them. Well, I have a good segue for you, actually. Speaking of special teams is I think the NFL has a free points problem. OK, oh, and okay. they agree because they moved the the uh, 
extra point line kick for the kick back a few years ago, right? Mm-hmm. So since then, kickers have made between 93 and 94% of those extra point kicks every season. Um, and that Makes is sense. frankly too high because it's so boring. <laughs> and after every touchdown, we have like this like three or four minutes, which isn't that long, but you know, these games are already too long. So we're looking to save time here or at least add excitement of the point that is just going to go in, right? Like this is an absurdly high um, percentage and to, and I compared it and I actually thought of this because a couple months ago I saw that Harry Kane had made 27 out of 30 of his penalty kicks, which are a similarly free point esque mm-hmm. situation in soccer. It's a little less free, but it's pretty least, free. Yeah. It has to do with randomness more than it has to do with strategy. Right. But also the point is he is like elite at it. Um, and obviously in soccer, uh, you have like elite players kicking them mostly, but, um, You'd expect like a normal player to make like 70% of their penalty kicks. Similarly, NBA free throws, everybody hates them also. But uh, the elite make 90% of them. That's your Steph Curry or Trey Young or Damian Lillard. But yeah. the average player makes about 70% of them, right? That, that you say is a perfectly good free throw shooter, but not great. In rugby, yeah. possibly the most similar sport, they make 73% of their um, like free kicks. It's a little more complicated than football because there's, I think, multiple situations. And they kick it from different parts of the field depending yeah. on where they score the try. So all of this says – I don't know. I, I want to get your uh, opinion on this. Do you think these point, free points are too free and too unexciting? Or is this – am I, like, missing something here? That's a very interesting question. The fun thing is, hypothetically, we shouldn't be taking them. Like, right. Even if they're like the argument would be that they're too free, they're not free enough because yes, if you did expected points added, right? Like you should always go for two as long as you're going to be able to convert like 50% of the time, which is pretty right. reasonable. So the weird thing about the extra point is that you should never do it versus like a penalty kick. You should always do because it's essentially a free goal. So, like, distinct from those other opportunities where it's, like, free points pretty much at a higher clip than you would normally get, the the extra point is the inefficient option. Right. That is a wrinkle from these other things where, like, there's an alternative that is technically better even though hardly anybody opts for it. So maybe it would require, like, a dual tweaking of the system. Either you could make the, the kicks worth more, right, and just make them a lot more difficult, in which case... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe like Justin Tucker would become even more powerful. I don't know if we want that. Um, or you make the two-point conversion a little harder, or you just ignore it because a lot of coaches ignore these analytics anyway. <laughs> or or if you want to keep the kicking, why not just offer multiple different lengths? Like yes. Offer like a 25-yard field goal, a like 50-yard field goal, and a 60-yard field goal for your one, two, and threes. Right. That would be I have a couple proposals that is kind of a mix of some of them, but that's an option. But I guess like so boil down to the basic question. Do you think we need to make these points more difficult or should like is this expected extra point on top of the six? Not a bad thing. I think it's kind of bad. I think we get more interesting scores. It would make it kicking more kickers more important. It would make like these moments more high tension. Um, that's true. 
it and would, it would make, also make people go for two more, which mm-hmm. you could say is a good thing. That's true. So maybe it's actually a nudge to get them to wake up and do the analytically proper thing. So then right. I think I'm on board for that reason. Okay, but I want to keep the kicking. Um, okay. So <laughs> <laughs> obviously I have three propositions here. One would be just to move it back, like you said. But maybe instead of giving multiple options, you just move it back to from the 15 where it is now to the 25. They would still make a lot of it, but maybe we'd finally be getting a little more variation. That's It'd the most close. boring one. It'd be closer to, like, free throws or penalty kicks at that point. Yeah, because, like, 25-yard field goals, right? Everybody makes those. But I watched uh, Adam Vinatieri lose a game-winning one a couple seasons ago for the Colts. So, you know. (laughs) That felt like a side shot, like, in case we have any fans. (laughs) Well, it was memorable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Although Justin Tucker also missed an extra point last season, or the season before, in that epic Browns game. Yeah. Um, which was a That's shock, true. but the Ravens won anyway, so it doesn't matter. But um, so uh, my second proposition takes exactly from rugby. And I would say maybe you add like a kicker hash, which is on the way wider, right? So if you score a touchdown along the sideline, then you kick from that extra wide hash. Oh, yeah. And it makes it more difficult. Um, like that's exactly what they do in rugby, except there's no hashes. You just put it exactly where it is, which is fun. Well, and and think about this, too, where you don't necessarily – it would be a little different because you don't have to score from – if you're trying to get into the end zone from, like, the 10, you don't have to run out of bounds. But, like, at the end of the game, right, you're running offenses on the sidelines more often because you're trying to stop the clock. So it would produce more challenging extra points in crunch time. Yeah, and there would be a question about whether you – like even have the like the defense challenge for these because in rugby they don't you just kick it's like a spot kick but it's very difficult because of the angle so that could be sorted out later i'm not too worried about that um there was another point about this i was going to get to oh but it was just a fun fact actually that they used to not have hashes in the nfl so they would run plays every play from where it the the down was Oh, so like you would have a lot, a lot of plays were actually run right along the sidelines and it was really boring because you just knew which way like they were going to go because there's no only one way to go. Um, so that, yeah, that was really interesting. Um, so hash marks were a great addition. Someone pointed out um, recently. An underappreciated one. You don't think about that too often. Yeah. And then the third one is actually an expansion of, and this might be my favorite because it increases the importance of two special teams kicking positions, oh dear. which is there's a little known rule called the fair catch kick. I don't know if you're aware of this, but if you fair catch, you can attempt a kick, a spot kick from that. And it's a field goal, but the defense can't challenge it. Right. You don't like it's not like um, the best way to explain it is like you kick off. It's like a kickoff from the fair catch spot. And then if you make it, it's a field goal. Hmm. Um, and this has so, most recently been attempted by Joey Sly in like 2018. And it was like 60 yards and he missed it. <laughs> I wonder why. That's really. So you fair catch it as in like they kick off to you and you fair catch it. Um, I think it's usually on a punt. Okay. So like if the opposing team punts from like the 10 and it's like a 50-yard punt, or it's like a 40-yard punt, some bad punt, right? Then you yeah. can attempt a fair catch kick. It's always going to be pretty far. Um, it would be like 
the minimum I saw on the Wikipedia page was like 60 of all the attempts. Um, but it's right. doable. So, sorry, to get to the extra point question, I would say after a touchdown, you have the opposing punter come out like it's a safety. He punts it from like the end zone, maybe even the back of the end zone, because this is an extra point. You don't want to give him too much advantage. And then you fair catch it and kick it from there for your extra point. Or you can go for two. <laughs> <laughs> or you can just run it off. Or, or maybe you could just return it. You know, you can get rid of the two point conversion and you can say, maybe it's like a one V one punter kicks <laughs> and either you take a fair catch kick or you can return it and the punter has to stop it. <laughs> he is one man to beat in the entire field. In yeah. That's probably not too realistic. But. <laughs> that would be so funny though. It'd be like they're jousting almost. Yes. So, and not to mention, so your kicker has to catch it then, right? Well, I think you could have, like, uh, the returner catch it. But uh, it's a fair catch, right? So they don't run. They just stand there and catch it. Okay. It would be really funny if you made your ke- your kicker catch the ball. Yes. Oh, but also if the returner dropped it, like, what would happen? Maybe the punter can come and run and get it and return. Well, it would probably be, like, a two-point conversion. You can just – the defense could pick it up and run it back. Or you could pick it up and run it in for two somehow. Or if he drops it, then you have to go for two from that spot. With yeah. the defense, like you have to go oh, true, to true. like the 45 yard line to try and get points. Yeah. So uh, none of these are going to happen and it's not really <laughs> that big an issue, but I'm like in every other sport, either they are more difficult or they like matter more or they mm-hmm. uh, are more exciting somehow. And I just think these this boringness around extra points should change because it is like the most exciting spot uh, in the game for the kicker. And that's the punter. True. He's the holder, I guess. He's the so, holder. You know. That's a good point that it and is. I, Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, and as you know, I am always pro kicker. I think everybody who has listened to you speak on anything has learned <laughs> that you are pro kickers <laughs> and punters. Yeah. And I feel bad because I think you should never kick or punt. So this is a way of right. maybe alleviating <laughs> that guilt. He's <laughs> giving them something to do that you can actually endorse. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I like that. I like that idea a lot. I think <laughs> I, I think it would add something because it is weird that like after touchdown, we all just sit there because it's like you're so excited about the score. And then we all just kind of stand around and wait. And then we're all like, yeah, like, there's yeah. like a second follow up applause. That's just not that involved. And we just deal with it. That is super weird. And so making yeah. it more interesting would at least add like it just fix that like odd lull in the game. Yeah. I agree. Thanks for that idea, Sam. I like that. You're welcome. It was a bundle of (laughs) nice trivia and some fun ideas and, you know, alleviating my kicker guilt. So it was perfect. It was cleansing. We laughed. (laughs) We learned. It was was wonderful. Yeah. Well, we'll end with one final bit also related to Sam, which is um, we've been talking about Sam's impending move to Arizona State to begin law school, which is very exciting. Yes, thank you. And one thing that we that I hadn't thought about that Sam pointed out today is that Sam is going to the Pac-12 right as the Pac-12 <laughs> is collapsing. Because I know. while there has been so little football news since we last convened, there has very big, been very big college football news, which was that, the, that UCLA and USC are joining the Big Ten in a matter of years, which is just odd. It's right. fascinating. I think it's fun. But... 
it is just crazy. And so the Pac-12 is scrambling to figure out what to do. They were trying to join with the Big 12, and then that fell apart this week and all sorts of stuff. It all goes to say, sorry, Sam, no Pac-12 after okay. for you. I am a big fan of, you know, we've talked about conference realignment quite often. Maybe mm-hmm. we should do a realignment show. Yeah. <laughs> I could put together some ideas. We'll discuss. But uh, yeah, long story short, I move all the way across the country for some Pac-12 football and losing two of its most important members. Luckily, I do not care and will not watch. But <laughs> we're never going to go to the game. It anyway. is. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. It I think is- the athletic writer, sorry, the athletic writer said, um, well, was critical of it, but he also said, you know, any idea of like keeping uh, corporatism and money making out of college football was gone long ago. Oh, yeah. So really, they're just biting the bullet and accepting facts that need to be in these conferences to be relevant. Mm-hmm. Well, how many times have Heisman hopefuls just faltered because they played after everybody on the East Coast went to bed? Yeah, there's there's no way there's no way around that fact is it's just. It's out of the way, and you just don't get the exposure, and there's so much money to be made. It's not shocking. Like, And that's the thing, too, is whenever we talked about alignment, it was about like keeping the competition in college football. But this is a whole different realignment than you and I ever thought about because this yeah. is just creating two conferences, which makes sense from a monetary perspective. And, I mean, could work. Like, I mean, think about it this way. If you think of it as like a, almost a pro league, which it kind of is now with now right. they're making money, which they should have been the whole time. Yes, like you have East Conference, West Conference, American League, National League, AFC, NFC, everywhere. So, I mean, Big Ten, right. SEC, if that's really what we get to, like, that's not that bad. Like, it's weird and it's odd because the sport is so rooted in tradition. But, like, it's, yeah. we've seen it before in sports. No, I yeah, I just, I'm less critical or even not, maybe not even critical at all because, like, they are just facing facts, for one. and yeah, any idea of this like regionalism around college football and the idea of the student athlete is just laughable, yeah. <laughs> right? Like it has been for years too. Yeah, and like you said, they're making money, which they should have been the whole time. Um, so yeah, making these two really good leagues will actually maybe increase competition, right? Mm-hmm. The SEC and the Big Ten are getting better, um, well, or at least it, having more competitive teams. And we always worried about you know, how big do we have to make the playoffs to give everybody a fair shot? And it's like, well, in all the other sports, they just have their own, this one big playoff that like the winner of this one thing plays the winner of the other thing. Right. And that seems to take care of it. You couldn't do that because five, I mean, first of all, five is such an awkward number. Yeah. Can't build playoffs. (laughs) When they created these, when we had the power five, there's never an idea that it would have to do with a playoff. And so mm-hmm. and playoffs rely on even numbers. So it's always, yeah. always clunky. If we get rid of a conference, like it's just going to streamline a lot of that process. It might honestly right. be more beneficial. Like you, it'd be very easy to figure out what your pairings are. You'd play in a team from one conference against a team for another conference in a bowl. You could have the top. Right. You know, you could have a semi in each conference and then a final between the winners and then have bowl games throughout. Like, it would make it more straightforward in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I mean, for USC and UCLA, obviously, it's a, it's a journey to the Big Ten. But I think maybe this is this is kind of wild, but a step towards, like, complete separation of student and athlete, right? Like, 
student athletes are pretty much a joke anyway. But now you could just have like USC and UCLA, the football teams. Why don't they just live in like Michigan or whatever? And like you know, it's like they could be college teams. They just license the name from the <laughs> college. Like it's the UCLA team, but they're not like students. They're just young guys employed by the UCLA football team, and they play for the football team. Or they and, go uh, to or they go to like UCLA online or something like that. Yeah, and it's like it maybe like a true minor league system that people actually care about because it's at least, you know, visually attached to their college. Mm -hmm. Um, If it weren't for the, you know, gross physical effects of football, that could not be a bad thing. (laughs) (laughs) Like a real farm system and a real minor league, I could be on board. Just with an entirely different sport. So you're talking about baseball. You're saying that you like baseball. No, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying the NFL has... I don't know about needed development league. College is the development league for the mm-hmm. NFL, right? And maybe treating it as such and instead of pretending for whatever reason that it has to do anything to do with colleges or athletics is the way to go. I think it's a good point. I think that the I think it, you're right that it's all honest. It's just an honest reckoning. Yeah. One thing that I do think is really funny, speaking of not being honest, is do you remember when the big with the when what the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 formed that like alliance, like when Texas and Oklahoma agreed to move to the SEC, everybody panicked, and so the Pac-12, Big Ten, and ACC formed an alliance, and we're like we're sticking together. We are you know fellow schools. We're not gonna poach each other's <laughs> members. And then they took the two like far away <laughs> richest programs from the Pac-12 and just took it. Which is totally yeah. the thing. Like, if anyone has ever done a prisoner's dilemma, it's like, what did you expect that they were all going to... They have no reason to honor that. They have every reason yes. to take the school. So it was, like, it was lunacy. I mean, it, it was naivete in, like, a good way, but, like, it was just yeah. to think that that wasn't going to happen. No, I mean, yeah, it was not. I mean, what it was was probably USC and UCLA sitting in the back of the room being like, no, and then everybody, all the smaller schools really, like, need you know need to stick together uh you know saying they're gonna stick together because they need to that would be very circular but you know what i'm saying i get it like they're the yeah. ones who had the incentive to leave and the only teams that had the incentive to honor the alliance were the ones the alliance was protecting right yeah this is probably a very maybe naive from us like wholesome view of college <laughs> athletics. i mean not really we're all we're both very skeptical anyway but you know, this move in particular, I don't really you know. <laughs> I think it's funny. I know that there's a lot of, like, boomers out there, frankly, who are really upset about it for college sports. And I'm like, this is – like people have this romantic idea of college sports as non-monetary and all this stuff and super easy and, like, all about the love. And it's like – I mean, kind of. Yeah. But look at how kids recruit and look at – I mean, they're making life decisions. There are hundreds of millions of dollars potentially at risk. Like, you, yeah. you haven't been paying attention for 30 years, 40 years. If you think that that's what college athletics, and it always has been about this, right? I mean, it was always shrewd politics. It was always, you know, this is better. Like the old realignment stuff was like, Notre Dame, you can't join our conference because you're Catholic (laughs) or Protestant. Like this is way better than that stuff. Yeah. It's, you know, not discriminatory. So, and and the sport is always realigned. Like how long has Nebraska been in the Big Ten? Or how long is, I mean, the sport has been constantly in flux. Which is so right. weird to think about because you get so used to, oh, I finally learned all the conferences. 
and now everything's changing. It's like, well, it all always changed. Like the University of Chicago used to be a Big Ten school, and it still <laughs> is, I think, formally in like an academic sense. Right. It's, you know, that's just yeah. the nature of the sport. We just don't think about that because we watch all the like slow motion trailers on ESPN. They're like, ah, oh, the love of school. I know. Nonsense. Yeah, but I think like you know it's good. Like these kids can develop for the NFL, but um, and then the tradition and like school spirit, which is all nonsense. But these teams ha- ha- are linked to them, so it you know keeps some interest alive, right? Because that's also the problem with like the NFL development league is nobody watches it, so there's no money. So the players make no money, so they're just destroying their bodies for no nothing. Um, and that. This, you know, is a step in fixing that. Now they're destroying their bodies for something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we love college football. Ba, da, 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 yeah. da. This is so I great. I know. All this talk about something I don't watch. But still, it's a, <laughs> it is interesting. It's an interesting phenomenon. But yes, well, thank you for one wishing my uh, well-being at uh, a Pac-12 that is dwindling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy you aren't heartbroken over your loss of I know. Well, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll have more news by next time. We're speaking this into existence. Yes. Thanks for tuning in for our July show. Um, As always, I've been Joey. He's been Sam. And we both say, go Browns. Go Browns.